to another episode of Finding the Balance, Tales of a Former Extremist. My name is Victoria Udebua, and this is a podcast inspired by my life. I am an extremist attempting to find purpose and balance in Christ Jesus as a devout Christian. I have bipolar disorder, which is constituted by imbalance emotionally and mentally, so I'm trying to find the balance there as well. And as my life continues to unfold, I intend to share the good and the lesson worthy so that we can grow together. We're all on a journey, so let's help lift and uplift each other. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me again on the podcast. Uh, We're going to be continuing into what I believe is the last part of uh, this Bible study series that we've been focusing on under the umbrella of God's good word and it's just a reminder it's called man is not infallible and throughout this series we've been looking at ways in which our 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 heroes though they are worthy of study worthy of um you know understanding especially the good things that they've done, we must not idolize them. We must not put them on an impossible pedestal because, one, they are not worthy of it, right? Because they are still human beings and they've made mistakes. And two, we have to remember that our purpose is to advance the kingdom of God, not to just do exactly what those who came before us did, right? So looking at the full picture of a person is incredibly important um, to make sure that we are growing in Christ and not staying stagnant. Okay, and so without further ado, we are continuing on with part four of Man is Not Infallible. Hey y'all, good morning. I'm thinking I'm thinking this might be like a series. <laughs> We're just going to call this series Man is Not Infallible Um, because I've just been finding in the quiet time that I've been spending with the Lord, like this is something that is incredibly important, something that a message that he really wants to make loud and clear. Um, That being said, we're talking more about Paul. (laughs) And, you know, I told you guys in the last recording that this this conversation is really a conversation, a loving conversation that um, my Heavenly Father has been having with me, you know, um, each morning. It's it really blesses me. Um, It really blesses me. And I pray that it blesses you, too, because, you know, as I mentioned before, Paul was that apostle. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was that apostle. 
You know, we hear about his radical transformation, how on fire he was, you know, especially when he was in Malta and, you know, the the snake came and bit him and all the people in Malta were like, oh, he must have done something wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And then he just looked at that snake, pulled it off his arm, shook it, you know, stepped, stomped it out, shook it off and there was no poison, there was no swelling and all this stuff. Like Paul was that, he was the gangster apostle, you know, and, and, and that's all well and good. You know, the, the spirit of the Lord was upon him so, so strongly earlier on in his renewed walk in Christ, you know, after he completely let go of the law. Um, however, it's important, like what, one of the things that, um, the Lord has been pressing upon in this wait season for me is just the importance of building endurance, having the perseverance to endure, to really just allow the time that the promises of God need to take to be made manifest, to just play out the way God intends it to be played out, you know, without allowing any opinions, any suggestions, just anything at all from anybody else to interfere with what the Lord told you specifically to do. And the reason I bring that up, this, this um, concept of endurance, is because, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm noticing, or at least what I should say, what the Holy Spirit is allowing me to notice, is that as we get further along in the books of the New Testament that Paul wrote, we're starting to see a waning of his endurance and how it's, it's subtle, right? You know, that's why it's so important for us to pray for eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind of understanding because the things that I'm seeing, I mean, I've read the Bible cover to cover. I did that last year. And these were not things that I readily saw. These were things that I had to be enlightened to see. And um, what, uh, what you end up seeing is that Paul's changing. His words are changing. His motivations are changing. And one of the ways that the Lord showed me this... Uh, fact today was in the book of Philemon. So Philemon's one of those one-page books. And I'm going to go ahead and start um, from verse 8. And we're going to, we're just going to read down to, we're going to read the whole thing. So we're going to read from 8 to 25, verses 8 to 25. And this first section is called Paul's Appeal for Onesimus. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you 
to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in chains, while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while now, for a little while, so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing, please prepare a guest room for me for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return and let me return to you soon. And then this section is called Paul's final greet Paul's final greetings. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, so the first thing that the Holy Spirit had catch my eye was in the beginning of what I read to you guys where Paul is appealing for Onesimus and he says that he's boldly asking a favor, right? And he said that he could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Now this is, this is very subtle. But what the Lord pressed upon me is that we have to remember that our lives are not our own. We have to remember that the decisions that we make are not our own. When we choose to be in Christ and say, not my will, but yours be done. And so the Lord is asking me now, well, if you are doing this, if you are not making this request in the name of Christ, Whose name are you doing it in? And then the the lines that follow answer it. He's doing it in his name. Paul is doing this of his own will. Consider this as a request from me, Paul. So Paul is essentially saying, let my will, let Paul's will be done. 
And then as he continues on, right, he says that he wanted to keep Onesimus for himself while he was in these chains. But as line 14 says, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So we see that Paul does not have God's consent in doing this, but he wanted, he wanted, um, a person that he was writing to. He wanted to make sure that that he had that person's consent. He wanted man's consent on this favor. And he said, I wanted, I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. So he's essentially saying that if he were coming in the name of the Lord, that would be him forcing this man to do it as opposed to him being willing to do it. Where we in the faith recognize that when God says to do something, it's because it's already done. It's because he has already come, gone ahead of us and done the thing, right? It's not because of our strength. It's not because of our abilities or capabilities. It's because God has already made that way for us. It's not anything that needs to be forced, especially when we recognize that we do not serve a forceful God. And then further on, we see Paul out here making threats. (laughs) We don't threaten people in Christ. That's, That's not what we do. That's not how we treat each other in this faith. And so the area that I'm talking about starts from um, verse 17, which says, so if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. What? Paul basically says, if we're cool, like you say we are, welcome him. If he owes you anything, put it on me, put it on my tab. But in the eyes of the Lord, who are we? Only God can put things on his name and make such declarations and promises because he can always fulfill a promise. Paul saying, me writing this in my own hand, I will repay it. He's completely forgotten about God. He can't make a promise like that without considering God. You know, the Lord will make examples of us to prove a point. We cannot forget his sovereignty. And then he's saying, I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. He mentioned it though. And someone owes you their soul? So in reading all of that, you can, I'm I'm hoping that you guys can just see the departure, right? 
when we when we see the individuals that the Lord sends out to preach his word, deliver his messages, we're always we're always meant to be moving on behalf of the Lord. We're always meant to our our purpose is delineated by God. So when we're doing something outside of that, it begs the question, well now, what is leading you if not Christ? What is what is causing you to do these things if the Lord was not the one that specifically sent you to do it? Matters big and small, everything belongs to God. And so when we are in Christ, everything we do belongs to God. And when we are, when we get to a place where we don't think we have to check in with God, where we don't think we have to um, uh, make sure that we have his anointing and approval before we do something, Our lives become a very slippery slope. And that's what the Lord has allowed me to see um, through this text. And then the other interesting thing um, is uh, verse 22 where it says, one more thing, where Paul says, one more thing, please prepare a guest room for me for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers And let me return to you soon. Paul is hoping that their prayers would be answered. But what about his own? What about his own prayers? That's that's all I that's all I can say about that. What about his own prayers? Did he believe that the prayers of somebody else would be stronger than his prayers? I don't know. But anyway, These are just things that the Lord pressed upon me um, in my quiet time with him this morning. And um, I I read through it. And these were the different areas that caused me to pause. You know? And, you know, it also reminds me of when Jesus was on his way to the cross and Peter denied him three times one of the one of the times that he that he denied Jesus the little girl said but you speak the way he does he recognized him as a disciple of Jesus because of how he spoke and It's not lost upon me that Paul's speech 
definitely is different here in the book of Philemon than it was in <laughs> Romans, <laughs> you know, um, and some of the earlier books that he wrote. Um, okay, well, I'm hoping that I've given y'all something to marinate over. Um, I'm not perfect, so my explanations, you know, there's there's still more that can be you know, um, dived into, and I pray that you do, you know, let's, uh, let's have a conversation about this, um, so that we can get the full picture of what the Lord is trying to say. But the, the bottom line of this message is man is simply not infallible. And because we are prone to mistakes, we need Jesus every single day. All right. I love y'all. Have a good one.